Jesus was on his way to be the Messiah, all right, but it would not be the Messiah that the people were yearning for or had learned to expect. Not the Messiah the world or the devil was tempting him to be. Jesus was on his way to the cross. And on his way, he would not rule the kingdoms of the world. Instead, he would stoop down and watch the dirty bare feet of his own followers. On his way to the cross, Jesus would touch with his own skin. He would touch those who had been declared unclean. And he would eat. He would sit at the table and break bread with outcasts, with sinners and tax collectors. On his way to the cross, Jesus would not simply do tricks to prove his power. He would believe the Father and be the Son. How many of you ever watched the show Shark Tank? Anyone? Yeah, it's a pretty popular show. I like to watch it once in a while. It's fun to see if you have if you haven't watched it. It's basically it's a show where uh, a small group of um, uh, investors uh, uh, listen to pitches made by people who have a business they want to start or a product that they've dreamed up, and they're looking for some investment into their the development of their of their business. So it's kind of fun to see what people come up with. In fact, we had a, a friend, a member of my church out east at St. Matthew's name is Jim Lewis, and he got on the show. Jim's actually a doctor, a forensic pathologist, but this thing he invented and was pitching on Shark Tank had nothing to do with uh, his medical training or career. But uh, anyway, uh, we have a clip, so we'll take a look. You can get a little glimpse of uh, his moment on Shark Tank. Sharks, I'm a wallologist, a doctor of walls. And I've created one of the greatest products in the world, WallRx. But look, enough talk. Let's see what I've got. First, you need a hole. <laughs> now, in order to fix that hole, you need all of this and all of this. Oh, and don't forget this. Dry as a bone. Spackle. Or you simply need this, WallRx. Let's see how it works. First, like any good surgeon, let us prepare the surface. <laughs> surface prepped. <laughs> <laughs> now take your disc and place it over your hole. Now take your frame with your special compound and place it over the disc. Press and spread to desired smoothness. Done. In 24 to 48 hours, it will look like this. Remove your frame. Huh. Wow. And sand. We have to sand it. No tools, no skills, and no mess. So there you go. Uh, that has nothing to do with my message, but I thought you should see it. But this next one does. That was our lead into Shark Tank, because this next one does. Actually, I've, I was just looking this morning, grabbing my shoes. I have a this this kind of shoe tray basket thing in the garage that Jim gave me. So uh, 
anyway, uh, I was watching a few weeks ago Shark Tank, and they, they, there were some guys, a couple of guys, pitching this product called the 72 Survival Pack. And uh, this one I really liked. I can't, I'm not, I can't even remember if they got a deal or not. Jim did, in fact, get a deal, and you can go buy that item at Home Depot or wherever. And if you do, I should get a, a little taste of that now at this point. Yeah. But um, these guys, I can't remember if they got a deal or not. But the 72 Survival Pack, uh, the, the, uh, the, the idea is that uh, 90% apparently of all emergency situations uh, in the wilderness or stuck on the roadside or whatever the case might be are resolved within 72 hours. And so it's important to be prepared to survive those those 72 hours. So they came up with this awesome 72-hour uh, uh, survival pack. So we'll take a, a look at their product here. It's a big, beautiful world out there with endless paths and amazing destinations. But there are bound to be bumps in the road. With overpopulation, climate change, and political unrest, you can't always predict what will happen. So it's more important than ever to be prepared for the unexpected. 95% of all emergency situations are resolved within 72 hours. So simply having the tools and know-how to get by until help arrives can change a deadly situation into a simple inconvenience. That's why we developed the 72 Survival System, 35 life-saving tools organized by use with simple instructions to help you think clearly and act confidently when it matters most. From major situations to minor inconveniences, we're here to help you make it through whatever life throws at you. The 72 Survival System from Uncharted Supply Co. Because the more prepared you are, the safer the world around you becomes. So there you go. I'm pretty sure I don't really need one of those, but I really do want one. I mean, they're super cool, and they lay it all out. What's in there's really cool knives in there, and flint lighter things, you know, things that have multi purposes, and lights that you can crank, but also charge your phone, and all has its own individual pocket and food that will still be good five years from now, you know. So you you be prepared. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, I will say I can remember once as a kid, my dad and I were going on a snowmobile ride. This weather reminds me. Uh, we were riding from the farm where my dad grew up and we'd go down there in southern Minnesota on the weekends and we were going to go into, we are going to ride into a little town of Fountain to the White Front Cafe, uh, which was a cool idea to me. I was probably about 10 years at, old at the time. So we went out across our farmland and past the sliding hill where we, where we slid as kids on weekends down there and my dad had built a warming house up at the top with a wood burner in it so grandma and grandpa would be in there making hot cocoa and watching us out the window. And, you know, it was just a great scene. So we rode past there on this trip and down through the lower pastures and across McCoy's land, a neighboring farmer, and down to the river bottoms and the river runs through there. Uh, and uh, it's a little rapids area where it's shallow and so dad uh, would go in front of me and then I would have to follow him, get up on my knees uh, so my boots wouldn't get filled with water and go across the open running water. They had to keep moving because when you hit the other side was the river bank, so you had to have momentum enough to make it up the other side. It was all uh, just uh, right on the edge of what a 10-year-old could accomplish. But, uh, I, you know, and plus it was now starting to snow pretty hard and we were, but we were determined to get to this uh, this little restaurant 
We got up on the upper pastures on the farmland we were going. Of course, I never know. I have no clue once we're off our land where we are. But my dad does, you know, born and raised down there. But it was now it's really snowing hard. So it's coming sideways. I mean, it's a full on whiteout. And I can just see dad's uh, taillight in front of me. So I'm just staying pinned to that. And uh, he came up uh, on the downwind side of a big hay mound. And uh, he's yelled to me, we're going to shut the sleds off here and just hunker down inside this hay for a while and kind of let this blow over. So that sounded good. So there was already a little hole there, so we kind of dug it out, and there was a dog in there. He, like, got there first, but so we, the three of us, uh, just hunkered down and waited out the storm there. But all of that is to say this 72-hour survival pack would have come handy right there, I think. Um, we would have We would have been able to use it. The wilderness is always a dangerous place in the in the Bible, uh, and that's where we find Jesus on this first Sunday of Lent each year. Uh, this gospel reading, uh, where just following Jesus' baptism, where where we hear or we kind of vicariously hear God say to Jesus, "You are my Son, whom I love. Uh, you are." Uh, with whom I am well pleased. Now, Jesus is about 30 years old, and his public ministry is about to begin. Following his baptism, his whole ministry lies out ahead of him. But before he gets started, he's, he's led out into the wilderness where he is tempted. Uh, and he doesn't have any survival pack with him right out there. Uh, and the idea, this idea of temptation kind of runs throughout this season of Lent. Um, Pastor Natalia was talking about how we often, people often give something up for Lent, you know. And if you're going to do that, well then you're going to have to, you know, so resist the temptation to pick that thing up again, uh, until at least we get through these, uh, weeks of, of Lent. Uh, so Jesus is led out into the wilderness, this, always this dangerous, uncertain place, and for 40 days he's he fasts and prays out there. And this 40 is a Bible number. It comes up again and again throughout, right? Uh, 40 days that Moses fasted prior to writing the, the covenant. Uh, 40 days and nights of rain leading to the flood during uh, Noah's day. 40 years of wanderings by the Israelites on their way to the promised land. These are just a few of many examples. So for 40 days, Jesus out there in the wilderness uh, fasts and prays, and in this weakened condition along comes the devil to tempt him, Luke says. And we shouldn't be surprised, because the wilderness is always a dangerous place in the scriptures. Unpredictable. Jesus is tempted to make uh, bread from these stones. He's tempted to gain power over all of the kingdoms of the world. He is tempted to prove his own power and to also test God. So the whole world is open to Jesus. He stands at the beginning of his public ministry. He's got big decisions to make. He knows that there are great expectations he will face. And the devil shows up to tempt Jesus, you know, with some survival tactics out there in the wilderness. If you can turn stones into bread, you don't need a 72-hour survival pack. You're good to go, right? And and here's how you could protect yourself from being injured, Jesus, the, the devil says that. At his baptism, God has just declared Jesus to be the beloved son. That's who Jesus was, and that's who he is. But Jesus is tempted to doubt that identity. 
We look at when the tempter shows up, it's when Jesus is in this presumably weakened condition. I mean, how would you feel after not eating for 40 days and the loneliness? He must have been weak and tired. His mind must have been filled with all that was about to happen, what was to come. And the first thing that Satan does, the first word that he says is, if. If you are the Son of God, Jesus... Could it be that that was part of what Jesus was working out out there in the wilderness for those 40 days? If you are the Son of God, then then what? What do you do first? How do you begin your, your public mission, your ministry? Command this stone to become a loaf of bread, the tempter says. Yeah, well, bread for all of the poor and hungry... And maybe get rid of this tempter at the same time? That's not bad, actually. A good show of power right here at the outset. Let the devil know who's arrived in the world. And do some good for those in need at the same time. Well, but Jesus has clearly come for much more than this. Tells the devil that people do not live by bread alone. But you know, temptation... And this is kind of the point of this six, seven weeks of of Lent. Temptation tends to come back around, right? The devil led Jesus up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has all been given over to me. and, And I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Imagine what a fair and a just ruler of all the kingdoms of the world that Jesus could be. He could establish justice and mercy for everybody. He he could welcome the refugee as the Bible so often advocates. He could help those who are outcasts actually become citizens of the realm. But, But the price, the price was too high. Bow down to me. Again, Jesus recalls the scriptures that he learned as a child. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, if Jesus can't be tempted to turn stones into bread or be tempted with promise of of power and authority over the kingdoms of the world, then maybe he can be tempted to defend the power of God. This one's a little bit more subtle, right? Not about me or what I stand to gain or how I could make a difference in the world. This temptation is about defending your God. The devil took Jesus to Jerusalem and placed him on a pinnacle of the temple saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. I whispered to Natalia a little bit ago, I I mean, that seems like the last thing I'd be worrying about if I was thrown off of a cliff, dashing my foot against a stone, but that's just me, and I'm not sure that always catches me when I read that, but... Uh, that's the promise in the scriptures, and that's what Jesus has dared to prove by uh, jumping from this high place. And notice, notice, take note that the Bible is actually quoting scripture here. 
This is always a troubling aspect for those who want to advocate for a little, literal interpretation of the scripture. It's, it's God's word. God said it, uh, and that settles it, that sort of thing. Well, because this, then what do you do when it's Satan talking? That's a, a problem. Also, the, the idea that Satan himself is proof texting, just kind of lifting up passages to make a point. This, this, this whole thing goes way, way back. After all, this is what people are expecting from the Messiah. He would be a Moses who would lead his people to safety. He would be a David, like King David, who will rule with justice and might. He will be the Son of Man who will come in the clouds of glory and could jump from the highest peak and be saved by angels. That is what the people want. Jesus, give the people what they want. If you are the Son of God, then what? What do you do first? Do you prove you are the Son of God by taking the devil's dare? Do you begin your following by being the Messiah that the people yearn for and have been taught to expect in Sunday school? Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. And that's the thing about temptation. It always comes back around. How could we hold it together then? Maybe you can give something up for the season of Lent. Maybe you give up chocolate or, or whatever it is. Uh, for these next six weeks, but temptation just keeps coming. How is Jesus able to withstand these temptations even when they appear to provide great opportunities to make the world a better place? How, really, he remembered. Jesus remembered who he was. The Son of God. He heard that when he was baptized, you are my Son whom I love. And again, last Sunday, uh, we listened and heard that same proclamation on uh, Transfiguration Mountain. Jesus simply refused to doubt that he was, in fact, who God had proclaimed him to be. Jesus was on his way to be the Messiah, all right, but it would not be the Messiah that the people were yearning for or had learned to expect. Not the Messiah the world or the devil was tempting him to be. Jesus was on his way to the cross. And on his way, he would not rule the kingdoms of the world. Instead, he would stoop down and wash the dirty bare feet of his own followers. On his way to the cross, Jesus would touch with his own skin. He would touch those who had been declared unclean. And he would eat. He would sit at the table and break bread with outcasts, with sinners and tax collectors. On his way to the cross, Jesus would not simply do tricks to prove his power. He would believe the Father and be the Son. He would call all people together and teach them about the kingdom of God. He would love the unlovable. He would forgive the unforgivable. And call all people to repent and become new. All for this. All for his church. Which is called to be bearers of this good news. 
in a hurting world. So, what about you? Are you holding on to your own identity in Christ? Do you remember whom God has declared you to be? You say, I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say, I am strong when I think I am weak. You say, I am held when I am falling short. When I don't belong, you say that I'm yours. And I believe what you say of me. I believe. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I am say I am held when I am falling short when I don't belong you say I am yours and I believe I believe what you say of me I believe On his way to the cross, Jesus would stop for you and for me and call us to follow. And as he goes before, it's clear that he will not be sidetracked, not by the tempter and really not by us either, because if we're honest, we would like for there to be oftentimes some easier way to go. When Jesus speaks of his own suffering and death, Peter takes him inside and says, on behalf of all of us, certainly not, Lord. Things are going great. Look at the crowds. We can hardly keep track of where everybody's coming from. Things are, We don't want to hear about suffering or dying. There's got to be an easier way. The thing about temptation is it tends to come back around. And as the cross drew closer, Jesus found himself in the garden praying, Father, if this cup might pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. Because Jesus made the decision a long time ago at the beginning of his public ministry that he was going to believe he was who God had declared him to be. So what about you? Baptized, child of God. What about you? How do you hold it together? What do you keep in your own 72-hour survival pack?
You've been sealed with the cross of Christ forever. That is exactly whom God has declared you to be in your own baptism. But oh, how easy it is to be tempted by the doubts. If I am a child of God, then why don't I feel like it more often than I do? If I am a child of God, then why in the world don't I behave like it more often than I do? And so, a few days ago on Ash Wednesday, we were told to remember. Remember that you are dust, and into that dust our God has breathed life. Remember that you are dust, and yes, to dust you shall return. But first remember this, that the sign of the cross made with those ashes were placed over the very location where the sign of the cross was made at your baptism because you are sealed with the cross of Christ forever. Baptized child of God. This is who you are. You should remember. I believe